Welcome to Horizon. We're so glad you're joining us today as we wrap up our Smart Book series. We have a very special guest speaker today. Dan Martin is the uh, parenting associate for Pure Hope as well as the pastor at his local church in Texas. And uh, he speaks frequently on topics of family, parenting, marriage, Christian leadership, and technology. Today, he's going to be speaking to us about exactly what we just sang about, rolling with the changes, learning how to set up a new tech strategy in our homes to keep our kids both safe and to equip them to succeed in this uh, crazy, ever-changing digital world. Can we give a warm horizon welcome to Dan? Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you very much for that warm welcome. Boy, if that song can't get you going this morning, nothing can. That was, uh, that was fantastic. Well, as Kenny said, I'm Dan Martin, and um, I'm just thrilled to be here this morning. So privileged to have the opportunity to talk with you and just to continue in this series that you're in. And we're talking about technology this morning, which is one of my favorite topics and one of those things that uh, can also be a challenge for many of us in our own lives and certainly in the parenting that we have. Um, Kenny mentioned that I'm a campus pastor at a church in the Dallas area as well. And so two things that I do with my time is I spend time going around the country talking to parents and churches and different organizations with Pure Hope. Pure Hope is an organization that is headquartered here in Cincinnati. And uh, the name Pure Hope actually comes from a verse in the Bible, 1 John 3, 3, that says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So that name Pure Hope comes from that verse. And the vision statement of Pure Hope is a world free of sexual exploitation and brokenness. And then they accomplished that vision by equipping parents and influencers with God's more compelling story of sex. And I tell you that because one of the things that I've done while I've been on staff at Pure Hope is I've helped to write a parenting curriculum called Parenting in a Sexualized Culture, which has four modules. And one of those modules, because of the digital age that we live in, we talk about technology and we talk about creating a strategy for our homes. And actually tonight, when we have our family event tonight, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be laying out a five-point strategy for families to set up um, strategies for their homes when it comes to dealing with technology. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about myself, just personally. My wife, Kathy, and I have been married for 27 years, a little over 27 years. We have three adult children. And we were one of those couples that dated all through college. Our four years of college, we started dating early on. We got married right out of college. We talked about having kids all the time. Four months after we got married, my wife Kathy got pregnant with our first son. Um, He's now 26 years old and married. Year and a half after that, that he was born, our daughter came along. She's now married, living in Los Angeles and She's 24, and then our youngest son just graduated from college. He's 22. And here's the really good part of really uh, the the whole parenting thing. In less than two weeks, we're going to become grandparents for the first time. And that's crazy, but it gets even better. Because in December, we're going to have grandchild number two. So next time you see me, I'll probably have two grandchildren, which is crazy when you think about that. 
Well, this morning we are finishing out this series called Smart Book, where we are looking at the Bible and we're looking at this book, this smart book that is a perfect guide for living our lives and, and showing us how to live our lives today. A couple of months ago when I was talking to Chad and, and he invited me to be part of this series, I was thrilled. This is a topic that I love to talk about because I think it's so relevant to our lives. And the other thing about it is when, when we think about the Bible, when we think about the, the topic of technology, we think, well, this is a book that was written 2,000 years ago. What's it going to have to say to me today? I can tell you that I have read countless articles, countless books, surveys, things that I will actually talk about and you'll hear me quote from this morning, but I can tell you there is nothing more relevant to us today and how to live our lives and practically and relevant than this book right here. This is God's perfect guidebook and I'm a big believer in that. And so to be a part of this series at a church that believes that, I was thrilled and and certainly said yes to that. This morning we're going to see that the Bible gives us some really great insight into how to navigate our lives, how to orient our lives around this difficult thing called technology. And I have studied a lot of books and looked at a lot of things, but I've also navigated my own family through the maze of technology and all the devices and the gadgets. When, when I talk about technology this morning, really what I'm talking about is the devices and the gadgets and the being connected all the time, always being connected, and just the impact that that is having on us. So you ready to dive into this? All right, three of you are on board and ready to go. Glad to hear it. We either need stronger coffee this morning or somebody was up too late surfing online last night on social media, but we'll get going. And here's what I want us to discuss. I want us to look at a really big question, and I want us to spend some time this morning pondering this, but also answering this question. And here's the question. Is technology helping me live my life in a way that God desires for me, or is it preventing me from living that way? And that's a big question, and I think we need to break that question into two parts. So we're going to tackle two parts of that question. The first part being, how does God desire for me to live? And then the second part of that, how does technology or today's devices, how does it prevent me from living that way, the way that God desires for me to live? Now that first part, how does God desire for me to live? That's a really big question and probably bigger than the time that we will have this morning to explore. But I want us to think about how does God desire for me to live in the context of technology, in the context of being always connected, always having access to information and other people. The premise of this series is that the Bible is the perfect guidebook for living today. So let's look at it. Let's look at what the Bible has to say. And I'm going to go to a couple of different passages, and I'll quote several. But but the main one that I want to start with this morning is a passage from Ephesians. And it's in chapter 5. And I love the book of Ephesians because the first half of that book is really theological, meaning it's telling us 
about God, who he is, and, and, and what the Christian life is all about. The second half of that book is all about practical living. Paul gives us great insight into how to live. And that's where we're drawing from here to begin with. And it's Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 17. And this is what it says. See then that you walk circumspectly. That's not a word that we use in 2018 very often. So what that word means circumspectly is very carefully or prudently. Um, See then that you walk circumspectly or carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What Paul is encouraging us with there and what he was talking to the church in Ephesus, this was an early church, this was some of the first Christians, and he's telling us as well is to live as God desires. And how how does he spell that out? He says, live carefully, live wisely. And then he uses this phrase, redeeming the time. Other translations of the Bible say that a little differently. And what they say is, rather than redeeming the time, they say, making the most of your time. And I think that's so key. And, and like any message that I've ever given in my life, when I've been preparing the message, God speaks to me individually. And he typically, it's a pretty convicting thing. And certainly when I read that phrase, making the most of my time, that was convicting to me. My phone is always with me. I don't know if I should have brought it up here or not, but it's always with me. Here it is. I take it everywhere, and it it goes everywhere with me, places like my bedroom. And I'm sorry to admit this, but it goes to the bathroom with me. You ever ever have that moment where, you know, in the morning you're getting settled in into the bathroom, and you realize you don't have your phone the panic that sets in, you've forgotten your phone? Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of that. Sorry, I'll move on from there. <laughs> but, it, but it is, it's, it's this device that's always with us. And we think about making the most of our time. Um, that's one of those things for me that, that I have to question. Interesting enough, Ben Corson, who kind of kicked this series off several weeks ago, he talked about and gave this incredible message about the the majesty of God and how the majesty of God fuels our hope. And when we think about always being connected, always having our device in front of us, always having the opportunity to get online and look at things, We really do not spend the time just pondering life, pondering things and thinking about things. And we miss so much of that quietness that we that we had before the smartphone, because often it is in that quietness, in that solitude, in that stillness where God reveals himself to us. And so I think it's really interesting when we think about how Ben talked about that at the beginning, how how pondering God, how spending time with him and him revealing his glory is what fuels our hope. The average adult opens and unlocks his phone 80 times a day. 
And I have to tell you, I'm probably a little bit above average, at least when it comes to opening my phone. I think, I think 80 is probably a slow day for me. The average eight-year-old today spends seven hours per day in front of screens. We are an always connected world. We are losing so much when we, when we spend time on this phone. I, I don't have to convince you of how great this piece of technology is, how much it adds to our life. We'll talk more about that as well. But what are we missing? What are we missing when we are mindlessly scrolling? The psalmist in Psalm 46 encourages us with these words. He says, be still and know that I am God. And that stillness, at least for me, feels like it's fleeting. Feels like I'm constantly filling those times in my schedule where I could have some stillness or could have some solitude with mindlessly scrolling. We looked at that question, how does God desire for me to live? And Paul in Ephesians tells us to live carefully, to live wisely, to make the most of our time. Let's look at another passage, and this passage is in the book of 2 John. 2 John is only one chapter long. This is verse 12. But I want you to hear these words penned thousands of years ago about technology and a caution for us today. 2 John verse 12. Having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink. But I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. If that verse were translated today into our modern day lingo, if John were to write that today, it might sound something like this. I have much to talk to you about, but I don't want to use my thumbs. Instead, I want to get up off this couch I want to walk up the stairs, and I want to talk to you face-to-face. All right, quick show of hands. How many, how many of you are guilty of this? You've texted your spouse or your kids while they're in the house with you. Okay, I'm, I'm guilty of that too. Probably still guilty. It's only my wife and I at home. We now live in a one-story home, and I still text her when she's in the house. What is wrong with me? The technology that existed over 2,000 years ago, this for, for John and the writers of this word, was paper and ink. Or for you scholars in the room, papyrus and ink. It's amazing to me that, that we have this book, that this book is still around. And I am so thankful for the technology that existed in John's time. Paul, in his writings, many of the, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. In a lot of his writings, he uses the same language. He talks about his desire to be with people rather than to just write letters to them. But, but writing letters to them is a great way for them to communicate with each other, for him to, to give them teaching when they can't be together face to face. And so what this verse tells me and and what the, the writers of the New Testament are telling me is that technology is to be a supplement. 
It is to be secondary to our relationship with one another. You and I were created for relationship. Ultimately, we were created by God to have relationship with him. And then for us to be in relationship with one another. And why do the, why do the writers, why does John use, use the term face-to-face? Well, he tells us in that same verse, so that your joy may be full. When we use this as our primary way of relating to one another, we're missing out. We're losing something. We're losing some of the joy of conversation that God created us for. In 2012, when my daughter, who's our middle child, graduated from high school, she moved to Los Angeles to pursue a music career. And I got to tell you, as a dad... There is nothing more scary than your 18-year-old little girl, in my eyes, she was my little girl, moving to a city like Los Angeles. That was a scary thing for my wife and I, but it was a, a decision that we had come to with input from other people in our lives through prayer, and we finally came to, to realize that this was God's will for her, and we're so glad we made that decision. She's, she's thriving now in Los Angeles and doing really well. And we're thrilled about that. But one of the things that happened when she moved there was I fell even more in love with technology. I fell in love with FaceTime on my iPhone. And that was a great supplement for me. There were, there were times when she moved and she was alone in this big city and, and, and I would be, I would be having a conversation with her and seeing her and seeing the joy of the day in her face, seeing the anguish and the tears when she was homesick and ready to come home. It was a great way for us to stay in communication. And I'm so thankful that we had the technology that we had. We'll jump forward a few months and Christmas comes and she's coming home for Christmas and we go to the airport she flies in, she gets off that plane, and she's walking down that terminal, and she, see, she and I locked eyes about 100 yards apart, and she starts running. And I start running, and the alarms go off because I crossed the security line, and so I had to back up. But she kept running, and she ran and just jumped into my arms. And I can tell you what this couldn't do that embrace, that face-to-face connection, my joy was filled. And I am so thankful for that face-to-face connection. All of the technology that we have that we use in place of face-to-face is costing us something. There's a huge difference between being connected and being in conversation. I mentioned this already. Our joy is robbed when we don't have that. We fail to develop empathy and compassion. We are seeing that play out in the culture that we live in. We are seeing empathy and compassion for one another, for differing point of views, for for conversation going down. And certainly we're seeing that in social media today. And we're seeing that in our kids Sherry Turkle, who is um, a very smart woman, professor at MIT, 
wrote a best-selling, New York Times best-selling book called Reclaiming Conversation, The Power of Talk in a Digital Age. And let me just read you Sherry's accolades. She is the Abby Rockefeller Moss Professor of the Social Studies of Science and Technology at MIT. Take my word for it. She's really smart. You don't get that title without being really smart. She was also on the cover of, cover of Wired magazine in 1996. She was at the forefront of technology when it came to digital connection. She was an advocate, strongly in favor and advocating for more digital connection in our, in our coming age. And she wrote this book recently. And what I have learned, Sherry Turkle is incredibly qualified. She has spent the last 30 years studying this. My guess is that Sherry Turkle would not be invited to be on the cover of Wired magazine today because what she has found and what she has studied over these last 30 years or so is the unintended consequences that digital connection has had on our lives. Let me read you a quote, a couple of quotes from her book. She says this, Face-to-face conversation is the most human and humanizing thing we do. Many of the things we all struggle with in love and work can be helped by conversation. Without conversation, studies show that we are less empathic, less connected, less creative and fulfilled. We are diminished in retreat. Ms. Turkle is saying the very thing that our smart book said thousands of years ago and continues to say. She studied this. She has seen this play out. And that's the way it is. And that's why God's desire for us is to be in face-to-face conversation, to walk carefully and wisely, to make the most of our time. And remember that second question, the second part. We, we first talked about how God desired for us to live. The second part that we ask is, how does technology prevent me from living as God desires for me to live? Our quick fixes and, and quickly turning to these devices for information is robbing us of that joy and that stillness. There's another book talking about the impact on families, and it's a book by Andy Crouch called The TechWise Family. And Andy, in this book, commissioned the Barna Group, which is an organization that studies the church and, and just society at, at large. And, and they commissioned this study to ask people the challenges and the benefits when it comes to technology. And I do believe that most of us in this room would agree it makes our lives much easier. We're much more connected and our lives are much more efficient. So the first thing that this study asked participants was to list the ways that technology has made their lives easier. And here are the the results of that survey. 67% say their lives have been made easier because they have access to so much more information. 54% say they're more connected because of technology And 49% say they are better informed about the world. 
Next, participants were asked to list ways that technology has made our lives more difficult. And here are those survey results. 42% said, I waste a lot of time. 40% said, I'm more distracted. 25% says, devices separate me from others. And 23% said, I can never disconnect. Boy, I know that feeling, don't you? You just always feel like your phone or, or your device is connected to you and, and always there. Many of us in this room today are our parents or grandparents. And if you don't fall into that category, certainly we all are influencers of the next generation and the kids that are in our lives. You and I have a unique challenge, a challenge that has not been there before for any generation before us and that is how do we navigate technology and all the devices but also how do we teach our kids this what is the challenge that we have as parents in this digital age in his book that that i talked about the TechWise family andy crouch is an advocate for adopting a couple of ideas. It's a great book, and I'd highly recommend it, by the way, for you. But, he, but two things that he talks about. One is nudges. He encourages parents to create nudges. And nudges are reminders that this is a tech-free area. Maybe that's a, a nudge that the dinner table, hey, we don't bring our devices to the dinner table. This is a, this is a place for conversation. He also encourages parents to develop a new saying or a new tagline for their family. And that saying is, but our family is different. So when it comes to the choice to disconnect, to pull away from what the norm is in our culture, to always be connected, his answer and his answer to his kids is, but our family's different. We're going we're gonna to treat technology differently than the pull of the culture on us. I recently read that Steve Jobs did not allow cell phones at his dinner table in his home. Isn't that ironic? The guy who brought us this did not allow these at the dinner table. He wanted to protect conversation. My youngest child, my son, Graduated from college last May. And next to not missing tuition bills, I think the thing that I'm going to not miss the most is the everyday requirement as a parent to be looking at and thinking about and managing technology with my kids. It was exhausting at times. And that that became quite a challenge. Um, I'll, I'll just give a quick teaser for tonight, too, by the way, at this family event that we're doing at 6 p.m. tonight. We're going to talk a whole lot more about this. I'm going I'm to lay out some things now, but we're going to go into more detail about that tonight. So I hope, I hope everybody can be there. But I do know, I know how exhausting it can be to always constantly be looking at this. And this same Barna study that we just looked at confirms this for us. Look at this question. This um, Participants were asked, is raising kids today more complicated than it was when you were a kid? 
44% strongly agree that parenting is more challenging and difficult, complicated today. 34% somewhat agree. Basically, 78% of people agree or strongly agree that parenting is more difficult and more complicated today. And then they were asked, those, same, that, those 78% who said, yes, it was, why is parenting so much more difficult today? The number one answer, 65% said, because of technology and social media, that parenting has become more complicated. I was not asked to participate in that survey, but I will raise my hand that I am one of those 65%. I think that parenting in, in the digital age, the always connected age, is much more difficult and challenging than, than ever before. When uh, my oldest son, who is now 26, he, he, when he was in eighth grade, that was 2007, and my wife and I made the decision that it was time for us to get him a phone. And that was, that was a big decision for parents then. Now it seems like a phone comes with your birth certificate in the mail. But, but that was a tough decision in eighth grade to get him a phone. Now, granted, the phone that we got him was, was an old flip phone um, that you could make a phone call on, which I don't think, by the way, any of my kids have ever made a phone call on their phone. But anyway, they, it, could, it could make a phone call, it could text, and it had a camera. And so that's what we had to worry about. And texting was not a huge thing when he was in eighth grade, although it was, it was starting to grow. 2007 is also the year that the iPhone was introduced for the first time. And that, in my opinion, that is when parenting just ratcheted up the, the complications and the difficulty. Because our, our son, who was four years behind him, when he got to eighth grade... Our decision-making process and the choices that we had were very different than what we had to make in 2007 for our oldest son. So we had all these gadgets, all this information that would be available to my son, all these images and and things that we, we really thought we didn't have to worry about coming into our home were all of a sudden available in his pocket. And so that made it much more complicated. Well, today you can add things like gaming systems and watches and virtual reality and and artificial intelligence, game systems, all of those things to the parenting. And the bottom line is, as parents, our challenges are growing. And leading the next generation, our challenges are growing. Last week, I love how Chad talked in this service. He talked about creating a battle plan. And having a battle plan. And one of the things I love that we have done at Pure Hope is we have, for the last 10 years I've been involved in this, we've been trying to help parents have a battle plan. And I'll mention briefly what this battle plan consists of. It consists of three things. Protect, model, and equip. It can basically sum up that battle plan with those three things. Let me, let me give you a little more information on each of those. Protect. I'll start there. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, stay alert, watch out. The enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I don't know anywhere where that verse is more applicable than to our kids being online. 
of first-time exposure to pornography is accidental. Let me define accidental because I say accidental and you think, oh, whoops, you know, pornography showed up. It's accidental to the child in the sense that they stumble upon it. They click on a link they shouldn't have or they they see an ad or, or whatever it might be, but they stumble upon that accidentally. It is 100% intentional and purposeful for the producers of that pornography that your child stumble on pornography. So it's accidental to the child. I mean, the other, the other part of that is when I started doing these talks 10 years ago and I started talking with parents, the average age of exposure to pornography was 11 years old. Today, Studies that I'm seeing today show it to be a lot closer to eight or nine years old. Our kids are being inundated with pictures and images that they just, they don't know how to process. They shouldn't have to be processing this information at that age. 30% of all web traffic today is pornographic in nature. 30%. Parents, it is irresponsible for us not to have a battle plan when it comes to protecting our kids at home. And let me talk to grandparents here briefly. If you're a grandparent here, I, and I, I mention this in every talk that I give because I had a woman, and I, this, the, the image of this woman coming up to me at the end of one of these talks one time just is kind of seared in my mind. She said to me, she said, Dan, when you talk, about this topic and you talk to parents, please make sure to mention to grandparents that it is vital for them to do this in their homes as well. She said, my nine-year-old son was visiting my parents and spending the night and his first time exposure to pornography was at my parents' house. Our house, we had all the protection. My parents had not put any protection in place in their home. And so they, his first time he was exposed was to his, uh, at his grandparents' home. So I, I'm being faithful to that lady several years ago who asked me to say that, but I think about it every time, and especially as grandparenting is, is in our, new, our near future. So I want to say this to parents and grandparents, a healthy biblical approach to managing technology involves both creating a plan, having that battle plan, and having firm boundaries in your home around the tech use in your home. And I don't mean just for our kids. I mean for all of us. That battle plan, though, does not just stop with protection. We can't just protect our kids from things. We have to model and equip for for life beyond our homes, for those nights that they're going to spend the night over at a friend's house that they don't, that that family doesn't have any protection, for the locker room conversations, and certainly for the school bus rides. I have my own horrific story of one of my kids, uh, what they were exposed to on a, in a school bus ride. But ultimately, for that time when they become young adults and they leave our home, that is our job, parents. We are to prepare them and equip them when they leave for when they leave our home. And then 
1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says this. He uses this phrase. He encourages the early church, and, and he's also speaking to us. He says, imitate him as he imitates Christ. Paul's telling the early church, the, his followers, the people watching him, to imitate him as he imitates Christ. And that is our call when it comes to technology, is to model for our kids what it looks like to be a good steward of technology, to use it wisely, to use it in a godly way. Because our kids are watching. I promise you, more than any of us know, more than we would even give them credit for, they are watching. I remember when my youngest son was about eight or nine years old, I was sitting on the couch doing email, answering email from work and on my phone. And my son came into the living room and sat down beside me on the couch. I had no idea he was there. I kind of knew, but didn't really know. And I have no idea how long he had been sitting there. And he got up after a period of time. I guess he had just gotten tired of waiting for his dad to get off his phone. He gets up, stands right in front of me in front of the couch, puts his hands on his hips, and he goes, Dad, you are always on your phone. And he stomps off goes upstairs and leaves. And I got to tell you that I, even thinking about that now and remembering that now just breaks my heart at what I was modeling for him, that I was not willing to hear from him. He's sitting there waiting for me. And I think about this often. I think about what did I miss? What did he miss in that moment, in that face-to-face conversation? And I got to tell you, that one event led to me making a number of changes in my own life to put some boundaries in my own life around my use of technology, and I should say my misuse of technology. Maybe I should have titled this sermon, The Confessions of a Bad Dad. That might have been better. But then finally, we are to equip our kids. Proverbs 22.6 tells us to train up a child in the way he should go. And that is ultimately our goal as parents in every area of life, not just technology, but we are to prepare our kids and equip them for the things that they will face, the things that they will encounter. And certainly technology will be one of those things that they will always have with them. And I think that needs to be in the job description. You know the job description you got when your child was born? The directions for how to raise this child? Didn't you all get that packet? But it has to be in the packet now for 21st century parenting that this is a piece of that. And I'll tell you this, as a dad who has sent off three kids out into the world, I would much rather send equipped kids out into the world than merely protected kids. We've got to equip them and we've got to prepare them. And we're only going to do that if we model for them good technology use. When my uh, oldest son, tell you one more quick story, when my oldest son was, graduated from high school, um, one, the graduation gift we gave him was a laptop. He had been using a computer in our home that was shared by everyone. He, hadn't, he didn't have his own laptop at that point, and we got him a laptop. And my wife asked me when we were wrapping it and putting it together, she said, are you going to install Covenant Eyes on his laptop? Covenant Eyes, by the way, is a software program that we use in our home, one of several layers of protection and accountability that we use. Covenant Eyes is one of those. She asked me if I was going to put it on his laptop. And I remember thinking about that and struggling with that and then finally saying, you know what? No, I'm not. He's 18 years old. 
He's going off to college. He's making his own choices, his own decisions. I'm not going to put that on there. Well, jump forward a few weeks, and he gets his laptop, and he's, he's upstairs. He comes down into my study, and he's holding his laptop, and he hands me his laptop, and he says, Hey, Dad, will you install that, that program on my laptop? Kind of knew what he was talking about, but I thought I'd mess with him a little bit. And What program are you talking about? You know, and he says, and, and this is the phrase that I remember. He says, the one you have on your laptop. He had seen me and heard from me talk about covenant eyes on my laptop, about how I needed to guard my own eyes, how I needed accountability in my own life, and how other people helped me with that, how men in my life, other men that I met with regularly, got my covenant eyes report, and I got theirs, and we talked about that often. And I'll never forget that. Needless to say, it was... It was an emotional, it still is an emotional thing for me to talk about. But helping and guiding our kids to make good choices and developing healthy habits for their use of technology should be one of our primary goals. And as I mentioned tonight, we're going to talk a whole lot more about that. And here's the thing about tonight. You are not going to come tonight and hear me talk for two hours. All right? Please don't come if that is the case. I don't want to talk for two hours. But look around this room. There are parents in this room. There are lots of parents. And what I want to do is I want to stoke the conversation. I want us to have conversations with one another. And we're going to talk about best practices. We're going to talk about things that you've learned in your home. And and we're going to share those things together. And we're going to work on developing a tech strategy. The Bible tells us, our smart book guides us. And tells us to think on the things above. Things that are true. Things that are honorable. Things that are just. Things that are pure. Things that are lovely. Things that are commendable. Things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The question we have to ask ourselves. Is this helping me do that? Or is this keeping me from doing that? I want all of us to enjoy the benefits that technology brings to us. I'm enjoying the technology of 2,000 years ago. We have this because of it. And I want us to do the same. I want technology to, technology to be a great tool. But I also don't want it to keep us from living the life that God has desired for us to live. Let's reap those benefits without sacrificing the quality of life. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this series. Thank you for your word, our smart book that guides us in living wisely today. And Father, I thank you for technology. I thank you that we do have access to lots of information, good information. But Father, I pray that we would be good stewards of that that we would not lose the quality of life that you desire for us to have. Give us wisdom in this, Father. Give us guidance as we lead our families and our homes. And I pray that you would give us the strength we need to live according to your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Can we thank Dan? Awesome. Awesome.
We are so glad that you joined us today as we wrapped up this series. Um, if you are new to Horizon and you'd like to find out more about our church, you can stop at the hearth room on your way out. It's the third door on the left, just outside the chapel doors. If you came prepared to give, there's an offering box in the uh, foyer outside the door as well. And uh, just want to let you know, next week we start a brand new exploring series. We hope you'll come and, and join us. It's the really wet game. When the honeymoon is over and so are the in-laws. We, are, we hope to see you Sunday. Have a great week. Thank you, Dan. Awesome.